I spent some time in Mariupol in 2014, a pretty small place, but half a million on the Azov Sea, mostly Russian speaking, not far from the Russian border. We were covering the invasion of Donbass by uh, separatist rebels at that point. The city was still in firmly in Ukrainian hands, very much proud to be a Ukrainian city. Tonight it still is, but Russia continues to lay siege. Hundreds of civilians have died already. Reports are that they're burying their dead in mass graves. There's no heat, no electricity, no food, no water. And today brought new horrors, the aerial bombardment of a maternity hospital, injuring at least 17. Ukraine's President Vladimir Zelensky says the strike trapped children and others under the rubble. This is what it sounded like in the footage. You can hear the shelling in the background as they walk through the destruction that was around them. You can hear their feet crunching on the broken objects, the debris surrounding the hospital. Well, we've been we've spoken to World Affairs commentator Michael Bosicu in the past. He's in Ukraine these days. After watching that same footage of the destruction, he described it this way. It was a very, very powerful bomb that left a huge crater, enough for perhaps two men or, or more to stand head to toe above each other. Uh, it's complete destruction. I mean, it looks like an Armageddon. Um, burnt down trees, cars on fire all the windows blown out. It's a big, big hospital. Well, tonight, Ukraine's President Zelensky said, quote, what kind of country bombs hospitals, is afraid of hospitals, of maternity wards? What Russia did in Mariupol was beyond savagery, close quote. Ukraine is once again demanding allies do more to protect the skies above the country, of course. Today, the U.S. once again turned down an idea to provide Ukraine with MiG fighter jets via Poland. And that no-fly zone that everyone keeps asking about or talking about is still off the table. British Foreign Secretary Liz Truss today said it was for the best. The best way to help protect the skies is through anti-air weaponry, which the U.K. is now going to be supplying to Ukraine. There is no doubt about it. The sanctions against Russia are working. The arms and equipment sent to Ukraine will help. But what we're seeing is a Russian tactic used in Chechnya and Syria, destroying cities, flattening cities and killing those who live in them, promising humanitarian corridors, then attacking people as they flee. That's how Russia fights. No rules, no honor, just indiscriminate destruction and death. How do you respond to that? We spent so many years trying not to provoke Vladimir Putin, letting him get away with quite literally mass murder. As my one guest tonight put it, the danger is not in action from us, but in failing to act and leaving Putin to believe a greater risk taken by him yields greater reward. So we must stand up. But how? That is the question we'll explore tonight. But first, let me bring in Ukraine's top diplomat in this country from the Ukrainian embassy in Ottawa, Chargé d'Affaires, Andrei Bukvich. Thanks for being with us tonight. Hello, Ben. How are you? Well, I mean, I was going to ask you first, because I think even just yesterday you were warning about civilian deaths in Mariupol. Uh, a young girl died of dehydration. And today we've seen something uh, even more horrific, the bombing uh, of, a, of a maternity hospital in that town. I just, what is this, what is that signal about where this Russian invasion is going? Well, um, you know, uh... It is shocking uh, as it gets more and more evident that there is no line 
Russia is not ready to cross. So nuclear terrorism, cold blood fired running families with children, indiscriminate shelling by half-ton bombs and missiles of the civilian and residential areas, thermobaric and cluster bombs. Russian use innocent people as hostages as human shield. There are numerous evidence of that. And today Russia indeed striked from air on Mariupol again and destroyed a maternity house, hospital, children's hospitals, people, children, we are under wreckage. This is atrocity and I just cannot imagine how one can do that. They have not just crossed the line of unacceptable relations between our states or uh, they violated UN Charter or international law. Uh, they have crossed the, the line of humanity, I guess. More than 40 children were, were killed for the last two weeks. Um, I just can't imagine. And a lot of people, a lot of my colleagues, friends, my family, my wife, uh, while watching the news from Ukraine or hearing our friends and colleagues saying about these atrocities, we, 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 we simply cannot accept that this can happen in 21st century. That while we have so sophisticated technologies, uh, we have uh, uh, complicated computers, machines, and we all countries building democracy and international trade, we're trying to have a progress in different areas. But then at some point, one day, decision of one man changed everything in our country. So people, it's not that people have lost their comfort or they lost their homes. They're simply uh, trying to survive. And when it comes not only to you, but to your relatives, to your kids, when you feel that you're unable to protect your family from this moving military machine, cynical, uh, indiscriminate choosing the target, this is this frightening us. But of course, at the same time, there are, I have two feelings in my heart, and I think a lot of Ukrainians share my feelings right now. First, it's a deep sorrow and feeling of the horror and tragedy. And the, at the same time, it's a spirit to fight back and for fight for our country, fight for our identity, and fight for our freedom and our choice to be a part of European family. So... This is very difficult, and uh, I think a lot of, I don't know, uh, a lot of people, uh, philosophers, maybe novelists, will try to scrutinize, to reflect on, on what happened and what effect it had, not only on Ukrainians, but on, 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 on all citizens of the world. Mr. Bukovic, there has been, over the past few weeks, things that you've wanted to see, that Ukraine has wanted to see, that have then been put into place, you know, sanctions unlike we've seen in the past, um, you know, military aid to Ukraine. But it strikes me that if there had been air defenses in place today, that it's quite possible that that bomb would not have been dropped on that hospital in Mariupol. Yes, true. And this message, President Zelensky, uh, Minister, Foreign Minister Kuleba, Myself and my colleagues, diplomats all around the world, we are trying to deliver to the capitals that every hour, every day, that we do not have these fighters, jets, or at least this uh, entire air defense system, it will cost hundreds, if not thousands of lives, including children. And yes, we see that. Uh, I don't know, we, we as a diplomat, I do understand all the 
risks that the country that would be willing to support us with jets, fighters, or no-fly zones, or if would NATO would decide uh, to take a bolder decision in signaling Putin that he has no right to kill civilians, perhaps it would be different, but it is as it is, unfortunately. We're also asking, well, it seems that uh, at the moment, uh, it's not so gas and oil, the commodity that Russia is selling to the world. It's more about that Putin sells fear to the world. He tr tries to threaten everybody, including G7 countries, including NATO. And it seems he is quite successful so far. And I think, and uh, my colleagues think that if uh, NATO is not ready to full-fledged war engagement, direct engagement with Russia, at least because of the values we share, I think at least part of Ukrainian territory could be protected, could be sheltered from airstrikes, from missiles, and from jets. And this part could be a Western Ukraine nearby Poland, where now there are millions of people uh, that manage to evacuate from battlefields and who are looking shelter and protection and safety. And if Russia would go far, so far again to start bombing and shelling dead areas, so the casualties will be among civilians will be enormous, will be beyond any, any, any human imagination. If Vladimir Putin has not been sent the right signals in the past by the West that he wouldn't be allowed to get away with these things, perhaps the, the response this time has come as a surprise to him. Do you think now that there is any way back from this that involves Vladimir Putin staying in power in Russia and Ukraine remaining a whole democratic state? Uh, first of all, uh, I don't... Uh, I think uh, Putin has made uh, a critical and deeply wrong decision by attacking Ukraine. There is no single chance he can win. I'm speaking with Ukraine's top diplomat in Canada, Chargé d'Affaires, Andrei Bukvich. When we come back, what chance are there for negotiations or a negotiated peace? And how much more can Canada be doing, not only to help Ukraine fight Russia, but also to help Ukraine with the humanitarian crisis that continues to balloon in that country. We'll be back. I'm back with Ukraine's top diplomat in this country from the Ukrainian embassy in Ottawa, Chargé d'Affaires, Andrei Bukovic. Uh, Mr. Bukovic, we know there are negotiations planned between the foreign ministers of Ukraine and Russia tomorrow in Turkey. Is there any hope at all coming out of those talks, do you think? Well, uh, Foreign Minister Kuleba has already said that he uh, doesn't have much hope that the uh, negotiations will be uh, uh, very successful. But, of course, there are uh, issues that should be discussed and agreed, like humanitarian corridor, so that civilians, Ukrainian civilians who would like, who are, who are, who are desperate uh, to escape from battlefield from Russian shellings, they need this opportunity to leave the cities and residential areas. And this is, will be number one priority for not only for uh, Ukrainian foreign minister,
but also for our negotiation team uh, headed by Minister of Defense, uh, who have already had three rounds of negotiations with Russian teams. Right. We are right. trying to, to make uh, agreement with Russians on humanitarian issues. But frankly speaking, it's very difficult because uh, we have already once agreed at the second round, but they violated all, all the agreements. And once more, Russians have proved that the uh, uh, Germany uh, Bismarck was absolutely right saying that the agreements with Russians are not worth the paper they're written on. But we, because we would like to protect our citizens, we will be working on that as well. I want to tell you that we see the... I was just yes. going to ask you a quick question. Sorry to, sorry to stop you. In terms of Canada, before we get too deep, because I, I realize yeah. those negotiations probably won't be very fruitful. We just keep looking to see if something will develop. What are you telling Canada right now about what you need, what Ukraine needs from us? Uh, we, first of all, Ukrainian people, and uh, on behalf of Ukrainian people, I would like to thank you, not only to government of Canada, but all Canadians for the support, for practical support you are providing to Ukraine uh, in support, how you're supporting Ukrainians in their fight for the freedom. This is not only defense weapons or military equipment or food or other humanitarian uh, cargoes that the government of Canada is shipping to Poland to deliver to Ukraine. It's also uh, just Canadians I met in the street, my neighbors across uh, my house, they are uh, Canadians of, uh, they are Chinese Canadians. At uh, a couple of days after the invasion, they approach our house and uh, express the support. So we feel that, we appreciate that. And this support will definitely help Ukrainians to survive and to win. Second, uh, uh, I know that government uh, is currently is uh, working hard on facilitating the um, facilitating the procedures of how Ukrainians seeking shelter can go to ca can go to Canada or, or to uh, join uh, their relatives in Canada. Uh, the, we we have already asked Canada to give shelter to our people escaping from Russia, uh, appalling crimes. People want to come and stay with their children, parents, parents, relatives, and friends uh, for support and the sense of safety. Uh, temporarily, they will come back to Ukraine when it is safe there. And we, in this regard, we ask Canada to simplify the procedures for them to come to your country, uh, but do that immediately as soon as possible. One more request is to, to maximum extent to facilitate lead, uh, uh, visa procedures for the most vulnerable categories. Uh, it's uh, people with disabilities. It's, for example, kids and uh, kids with cancer who needs uh, ongoing continuation of their treatment or kids with uh, severe diseases. And we definitely would appreciate if government will take this decision fast and at least for certain categories will manage to, uh, to have something like visa-free regime. Charge de Faire, Andre Bukvich, thank you so much for your time tonight. I appreciate it. Thank you.